Welcome to another episode of Revolutionary Health, the show that focuses on Black gay men's health and wellness. I'm your host, Michael Ward, but make sure, most importantly, that you follow us, like us, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Counter Narrative. On Twitter, we're at Building Desire. So this week, we have a very important topic. Nick Cannon, the rapper, host, all of these things, is continuing Nipsey Hussle's legacy um, in a documentary called Strong Enemies that talks about Dr. Sabi. So take a look at this clip right here. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine Anybody this. in this room, if I could say, hey, somebody cured AIDS, y'all be like, yeah, right. right. Man, it ain't been 24 hours. We got to pick up the baton and run it across the world. Look at all these tweets. Please watch over and protect Nick if he's going to take over when Nipsey left off. He offered cures for incurable diseases. He offered hope and life to those about to die. What they will do with AIDS is the same thing they do with everything else. They will figure out a way for you to live with... This is how the healthcare hustle works. We bring you in, you're sick, we start you on treatment protocols that are many times more toxic than what we're treating you for. It just mind-numbing to see how we can allow people like this to come among us, poison us, and then live comfortable lives. And as you can see in the clip, Nick Cannon, as he says, he wants to continue Dr. CB's legacy of doing things such as curing HIV, of curing all of these ailments. So on his triumphant return back to revolutionary health, we have missed him so much, and I'm so excited that he is still back here. Our family member, Dr. David Mel Branch, how are you? I'm happy to be back, Michael. So I'm just excited. It's been a minute, um, a few months. Had some things going on in life. Um, there's a little virus that's going around. I don't know if you've heard about just, it. Just a little thing. Little stuff. And um, I'm connecting in remotely from New York. So I'm just, I'm glad to be back with everybody uh, and with the CMP family. Glad, and we are glad to have you back. Thank you so much for doing this. So. As you've seen in the documentary, Dr. Sebi is making these claims as far as curing HIV. So I just wanted to start pretty much, what is the current stage of us curing HIV? Well, it's, I mean, it's a good question. And I think, you know, in order to get at that question, you have to ask, you know, what does a cure look like or what is a cure? And in the research, the public health and the virology research that we know, um, there's two different kinds of cures, so to speak. There's a functional cure which means that the virus is kept at bay, um, which you can kind of look at with, you know, someone who's living with HIV and on their antiretroviral medications, the virus is not actively reproducing and causing a lot of problems. So that's considered kind of a functional cure. And it's it's kind of analogous to what we say about cancer being in remission. So that would be what is called a functional cure for HIV. And then when we say, um, there are other words for it, but there's one term called a sterilization cure, which means that HIV is completely eradicated from the body. Um, and in that case, what that means is someone could go off their HIV medication and the virus is completely eradicated. And so the only case that we really know uh, that actually achieved that kind of sterilization cure was that gentleman called the Berlin patient mm. who suffered from leukemia and had a bone marrow transplant and the donor for the transplant actually had a receptor mutation uh, on his T cells that didn't allow HIV to attach. So when they did that whole bone marrow transplantation, he actually assumed the other person's bloodlines. And if there's no receptors for HIV to attach to, um, HIV can't replicate. The problem with a cure is that there's something called reservoirs. 
which are, are basically hiding places. So sometimes HIV can get into a T cell or other immune system cells or spaces in the body and basically hide out or be inactive for a long period of time. And then they can activate later on. So even though someone's undetectable, there may be kind of a latent you know, HIV infection kind of brewing, but you just can't detect it and it may sprout up at any time. So the goal of the cure is to eradicate all of that, both the viral load in the bloodstream that we typically d detect with a lab test, and then also kind of those hidden reservoirs that we're talking about that can be careful. Um, and as of right now, as we're speaking and recording this, we don't have a, a sterilization cure, so to speak, that's widely available for people at this moment. Right, so when it comes to the uh, patient that has been cured of HIV, are scientists, are, are practitioners taking anything away from that that would bring us closer to a cure? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question because we want to kind of get to that point. The problem is, is that bone marrow transplants have a lot of side effects, potential side effects. It's basically you're replacing your whole cell line that creates red blood cells, white blood cells, uh, cells that cause you to clot after you cut yourself with somebody else's. So you can imagine there's a whole slew of side effects that come with that and potential complications. On top of that, bone marrow transplants are very timely and very expensive. So you can't just say, we let's just get bone marrow transplants for everybody and that'll be <laughs> right. the cure HIV. Like it's not gonna cut it. So we have to do these things um, and find other things, but it tells us a lot about receptors, about mutations of receptors on our T cells. Um, how HIV works, how it attaches, and gives us some clues of what we can do to kind of navigate a cure in the future, whether that be through a vaccine or through some other mechanism. So it's promising, but I think we're still a long ways away from a cure. Yeah, definitely. And prayerfully, I hope that we do reach the cure. One of the things that I saw in the documentary, too, as I watched it is, of course, we have all of these celebrities that are in the documentary, and we love them all. You know, we want to show love to them all. But these celebrities have the power to change and to give us information and all of those things. And so a lot of what is in this documentary is saying that we found a cure for HIV, which I believe Dr. Sibby believed that we can achieve a cure by having a plant-based diet or eating these certain herbs or vegetables, right. a lot of things like right. that. And now with these celebrities bringing this up and kind of, I don't want to say playing on the fact that, you know, we are maybe a little bit more trusting of people that are in the limelight or that, have a little more notoriety, but what what are our concerns as far as why are people believing these conspiracy theories? Like how like how are we just taking this information just based upon like if one of our favorite celebrities says that it's true and believe? Yeah, that? I, th I think we're we're willing to take it. You know, as black people, we're willing to take the word of a fellow black celebrity or someone that has some notoriety to their name over kind of the white or non-black scientist. And we have to kind of delve, you know, your question is great because it has to delve into the situation of why do people, especially black people, why do we believe or embrace conspiracy theories? Um, why do we kind of hang on to these things? Why do we cling on to them so fervently as opposed to other groups? And I think, of course, that's gonna go back to the history of kind of medical experimentation on black bodies, the current present of medical experimentation on black bodies, and even tying it into the coronavirus thing, um, there's a video that's circulating on social media, I don't know if you saw it, with some French researchers, white French researchers talking to each other about how they want to ex use an experimental uh, medication for coronavirus. And they're saying that they should 
try it in places in Africa. And the guy made the analogy that similarly to how we tried for AIDS treatments on prostitutes because they were putting themselves in high-risk situations. So the analogy was that prostitutes were engaging in high-risk behavior and Africans don't have access to the mass being able to physically distance some of the other things that they were making a lot of assumptions on. So their attitude was like, well, let's go ahead and, you know, just try the, you know, try this medication in Africa. And that's problematic because when you're looking at Spain and France uh, and Italy, who have thousands and thousands of people who are coronavirus positive, as well as having thousands of deaths, you have more than ample sample size from your own mm -hmm. people, from abundant copious amounts of Europeans that you could try this medication on that are right in your backyard. So it just goes to show you that like when we talk about historical distrust of medical facilities, medical knowledge, public health officials, um, and medications that are pawned out to us as cures, this is not something that's just in history. This is very much present day because people will still pull this bullshit now. And so, you know, of course you're going to listen to somebody that says, well, I have, a, um, I have another option for you, or people are hiding the truth from you, or we have some kind of other thing that's going to work better for you. Everyone's going to cling to that because it's like, well, I don't trust these folks because we know what they think of us. They don't mm -hmm. respect our bodies. So I'm going to go with the other Black person that's telling me there's a cure, but everyone else is hiding it. So I think it's easy to dismiss a lot of people as saying, oh, they're hoteps, or you know, it's conspiracy theories, or they're just crazy. I think the way we should be looking at it is that a lot of us have gone through a lot of trauma in the, our past, are going through a lot of trauma currently, and this shit still happens today, so it's actually pretty justified. So I think we'd have a better conversation if we talk about understanding all the context of this and why people mm -hmm. embrace these things rather than just pathologizing one group or the other. You know what I'm saying? So it just mm -hmm. kind of, I think it does, it does a disservice to all of us by not really looking at the totality of it. Right. And I, and I think, too, for me, a lot of it comes from understanding that a lot of celebrities, musicians, athletes, all of these things are great in their respective fields. But when it comes to the field of medicine and public health and all of these other areas, we have to be very cautious about where we get our information from. As you said, we see right now going on with coronavirus that there's so much misinformation. I didn't see the video that you were talking about, but I have people sending me videos in my DMs and all of this stuff that's like, there's a cure, they're hiding it from us, all of these things. And it's so easy now to get this misinformation. And one of the things that I fear is that even with them saying that there's a cure out there, it further stigma of people who are living with HIV or people who are in the fight every day um, that are finding the cure of HIV. So I just want to speak to that for a second. How do we feel like these things really contribute to the stigma that's around people living with HIV? Um, you know, with the stigma, I think it's kind of more of a thing about, well, okay, so none of this stuff that we're doing is working. And so it actually stigmatizes not only people living with HIV, but also stigmatizes the actual scientific advances that have happened, that are working, that are leading us to a cure. Things like post-exposure prophylaxis or PEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, um, or PrEP, and you know, we have all these things, treatment as prevention, like we have all these things. So when we do this, it kind of serves as a disservice to the actual science that is happening. And I wanna be clear, when we talk about this, I think there's room to do both. Like we can eat and walk or walk and chew gum at the same time. We can do all these things at the same time because yes, absolutely the pharmaceutical company should be 
critique should be criticized. Um, we should look at them with a lens of kind of, yeah, you guys are just doing this for profits, right? But we also should look at the fact that capitalism is a concept and also the exploitation of black people by other black people in the sake of white supremacy and other things can actually trump this as well. So with the same lens that we should be critiquing Gilead and you know Merck and Abbott and all these other pharmaceutical companies, we actually should be critiquing with the same lens um, and the same degree of analysis the people that are coming to us and exploiting the fact that they look like us, that they share the same bond with us, and pawning these kind of medical elixirs or anything like that that haven't been proven. Um, so I think we need to kind of do both, and you can do both, and I think it's healthy to do both. And there's got to be a middle in between. It's not that you know the people that are embracing the biomedical community and kind of the advances are kind of sellout coons. And it's also not that the people that embrace Dr. Sebi's concepts are immediately kind of like dismissible hoteps that we shouldn't pay attention to. There is a middle ground here. And I think we have to understand that both these sides were kind of in the middle dealing with this stuff. Um, and we have to do better and critique each other and then try to figure out where the truth is. And, and that's a hard thing to do sometimes, especially with all the media and misinformation that's being peddled in society today. Absolutely. And I definitely thank you for sharing your knowledge and everything that you have about that and for coming onto the platform and speaking about it. And as I said, too, with a lot of celebrities that we have this platform, or not we, I shouldn't say we because I'm not a celebrity, but a lot of these celebrities have this platform. You are a celebrity. Come on. Not at all. But a lot, of, a lot of the celebrities, especially in this video, have a platform to speak about issues and bring this to national attention. So one of the things that I always challenge and love if we have the information we want to educate people definitely come on the show so i would like to invite nick cannon anyone else in the documentary if you want to come on the show we can just have a conversation in love as you say we can critique and we can also learn from each other and have a conversation that helps us grow more in love because at the end of the day ending the epidemic is a very important thing that we want to do so if any of the people from the documentary want to come on you know, if you have any questions, you want to like, you want to comment, subscribe, leave them below as well. Um, before we get out uh, here, Mr. David. Yes, sir. Anything else that you want to tell the people that we I, need to know? Any last I, parting words? Yeah, I do. I wanted to say, you were just reminding me as you were talking, is that, and I made the analogy to cancer before um, with the functional cure and with HIV, a functional cure for HIV being similar to a cancer being in remission. Um, you know you can keep it at bay, but you're still kind of questioning whether it can come back or not. Um, I do think there's another analogy with cancer that comes into play here, and especially tying it into Dr. Sebi, is that a lot of times we will have situations where we're so scared and we're so desperate and we're so fearful and the traditional medical systems have failed us to the nth degree that we will go with anything that anybody tells us will work out of desperation because we either don't have access to medications, we've been turned away, we've experienced racism and other kinds of prejudice in medical institutions that are actually supposed to be saving us. Mm -hmm. And so out of that desperation, someone can come along and say, here, I'm going to help you with this and I'm gonna cure you of this disease. And we go for it. And we have to understand that context. I had a dear friend of mine, she was like a sister to me and had breast cancer that had spread to her brain. And she didn't trust doctors at all. And she ended up going out on the West Coast and going with a doctor who charged her thousands of dollars a day or a week, something like that, to give her basically high doses of vitamin C and vitamin D and vitamin B12. 
And some of the levels of vitamin D and vitamin C that she was getting could have been toxic. Um, and unfortunately, she ended up uh, passing or transitioning from breast cancer uh, about three years ago. But I remember her in that moment, and she was so scared and she was so desperate that she went with anything that someone would say to her. And they were always about charging money. So it was always about, okay, you need to pay me this amount of money. And you have to realize that that kind of capitalistic greed and exploitation of fear and desperation is the same kind of capitalistic exploitation and greed that we see in some of these pharmaceutical companies and some of these other big businesses that are charging $7 for an N95 mask that we know only costs 95 cents. So again, like uh -huh. I just want to encourage people as we're having this conversation, understand the context and that people can be on both sides or on any side of this coin and try to exploit you, whether they look like you or not, whether they're skin folk or kin folk, they say some skin folk ain't your kin folk. It's the yes. same kind of thing like that, is that you don't have, you can't always trust everybody because people will exploit you if you allow them to. Thank you for all, as always, we welcome you to the show. I am so excited that you are back with us. Me too. And wish, <laughs> and wish you the best as well. And thank you as well out there for tuning into another episode of Revolutionary Health. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow a friend to tell a friend. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Counter Narrative, Twitter at Building Desire. And as always, be good to yourself. <laughs>